we thank you. You are that hiding place, a safe refuge. Your word tells us the name of the Lord is a strong, strong tower. The righteous can run there and they are safe. We feel safe today, Lord, because together collectively we're in your house worshiping you. In fact, every single day of our lives, we sense that security and that safety of your presence with us. Oh, what a joy it is, Jesus, in these days, in these times, to walk with you. And irrespective of how we feel, irrespective of what we're facing today in life, as your people here, we've made a decision to bless the Lord at all times, to let his praise continually be in our mouths. That means when we're confused, we're still going to bless you. That means when our hearts are heavy, we're still going to praise you. It means when life isn't turning out the way that we want it to, this praise that bursts out of our hearts is going to be uninterrupted by circumstances. Oh, you are so faithful to us, Lord Jesus. And today as your people, we truly do thank you that when we have been faithless, you have remained faithful. <laughs> oh, you're so good to us. You are so, so good. And we come to this place today. You've heard our song and you've seen how some of us have come here this morning. It's been a tough week. It's been a hard time. But we're here, unaffected, praising you. Thank you for your people this morning. Thank you for the song in their heart. Thank you for your goodness to us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's thank our musicians and singers. What a wonderful blessing. What an amazing blessing to us. And isn't it exciting what's happening in church? You know, just um, hearing Fran's heart this morning and, you know, wanting to get behind that. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen, church. Let's support this couple in their desire to help get those who are homeless at this moment in time on the streets of Newport. Let's, let's be that shelter. God's a, we've sung it. God's a refuge to us. God's a shelter to us. What a shelter he is. Let's be a shelter too. Why don't we make that our goal as, as a church? And you know, it, you know, it may be difficult. You may, you may be thinking, practically how do i do this you know i've got a i've got a job to go to well maybe you could go to your boss let's think creatively maybe you could take a day off you could maybe take a day off to serve this vision we can make it happen we really can i believe it's going it to anticipated for january is that the 
The start, listen guys, we can do this. We can do this. There's enough of us here to make this happen and to serve the needs of another. And we truly, truly will be, be blessed. Amen. Amen. Prayerfully consider it, you know, and then, listen, this is the great thing. Prayerfully consider it, then go ahead and answer your own prayer that you've prayed. Okay? And, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that, make it happen. Well, Christmas is nearly upon us. Anybody got their Christmas tree up yet? Yeah, you got your Christmas tree up? Good. We had ours up before bonfire night again. Yet again, the Christmas carols are in the house and everything's going well. Christmas is upon us. It's so exciting. And we're going to have a wonderful Christmas here. We're going to be a blessing to our city. We're already reaching, like Faye said, beyond our, our own boundaries, but also we're going to be a blessing. We really are to, the, to this city and beyond it in our project in Jesus Cares. We, we are so excited about all of the thousands of hampers that are going to go across the region this year into homes, carrying the good news of Jesus practically. Keep praying for it. Be excited uh, about it. Next week, we've got a Jesus Cares Appreciation Service. We're really excited about that, where we are going to honor our workers who have worked tirelessly over the last 18 months through this pandemic to get the blessing out of this house. And I tell you, irrespective of what's happened uh, through this pandemic, our work in Jesus Cares has gone uninterrupted. It has not missed a beat for this reason, not because of one person, two persons, but over 50, 60, 70 persons that were undaunted by what faced them and put their shoulder to the, to the plow and continued on through. So we're going to honor them Next week, members of our own congregation that have served tirelessly to do this and others beyond our congregation that have come together collectively to really serve our community. It's truly been a wonderful blessing. We're going to have um, our mayor of Newport here and also Jessica Morden who served Jesus, uh, who's been a blessing to Jesus Cares over many years, who's uh, one of our local MPs. So it's going to be, really is going to be a great morning. Come along, bring your friends, because I tell you, it's going to be a really great day. Well, just before we um, enter into the Christmas season, we really are coming to the end of the series of messages that we've been looking at over several weeks now, Rethinking Your Life. We're going to bring closure to those messages today um, by looking at the power of prayer and praise. Last week, we read from 2 Corinthians 10, if you remember, where the Apostle Paul confidently pointed out how the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to demolish strongholds in our lives. When we look through God's Word, we can see how on many occasions where darkness and distress tried to beset the people of God, how their prayers and their praises broke through and how the delivering power of God came into operation and manifested. This morning, we're going to look into a moment where a king 
faced the greatest test of his life. A crisis was upon him that he was completely unprepared for, that he did not expect to arrive. It caused distress and fear. Yet from this immense test would come the most glorious testimony. How many know to have a great testimony usually incorporated within that testimony is the ingredients of a great test. And an immense test came to this great king of Judah, but at the end of it would come a great glorious testimony of God's protection, God's power, and God's provision. And the key to it all really was what Dave spoke about this morning, having no other God before them, turning to God in prayer and discovering the power of praise. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, we brought into a scene where men came to King Jehoshaphat to de deliver news that he was not prepared to hear. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 2 abruptly begins with messengers delivering news to the palace, to the king, that imminent war was on their doorstep. Verses 2 through 4 read like this. Then some men came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming to you, against you, from beyond the sea, from Aram. And behold, they are at Hezon Tamar, that is, Engedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. That's what you do when you have no other God before you. You turn your attention to seek the Lord. You really do. And he proclaimed a period of fasting throughout Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all of the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. As a young man, I remember on one occasion asking my grandfather one day, Gramp, what's the hardest thing that you've ever had to do? It was a big question to ask my grandfather because since the age of 12, he'd worked down the pit. And in the latter years of his life, he'd represented hundreds of men as a union official. And I remember, as I asked that question to my grandfather that day, he paused for thought. I heard his breathing deepen. You know, there's some occasions that you reflect upon and you can see in your mind as you think about them, you go back into the moment. His breathing deepened. I remember it. And there was kind of an inner groan within him as he began to think and recollect things over in his mind. Then he spoke slowly. 
and deeply, almost painfully. He said, David, the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life is to deliver bad news to good, loving people. I've had to go to home, son, where good people live. And I've had to face families that are expecting their loved one to return home that night only to tell them that they won't be coming home anymore because of a fatal incident down the mine. That's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, son. On numerous occasions as I have represented these men to deliver bad news to good, loving people. In my pastoral work over the years, I think one of the hardest things to do, and I've reflected many times on those words, on the statement that he made, the answer to the question that he gave me that day. It's come back to my mind many times. I think the hardest thing that I've had to do, and others of you have had to do in this room, in occasions of, on occasions in your life, is to deliver bad news to good, loving people. No matter how hard you try to soften the blow, no matter how hard you try to hold back the facts that are going to hurt and cause pain. They still come with a punch. They still strike hard in the soul of the receiver. And the pain is immense. These men that carried this news into the palace that day, they arrived falling to their knees, crying. There was no way to deliver this news tactfully. There was no way to beat around the bush. Jehoshaphat was a good king. Jehoshaphat was a godly king, a man that loved the southern kingdom of Judah, that small nation he was king over. He loved it, and he loved their land. And yet these men on this day, knowing all of that, had to deliver bad news to a good, loving king that not only loved his people and their land, but had no other God before him. There was no way of softening the blow. No time for tact. They couldn't break the news slowly. A crisis was upon them, and they had to say it as they saw it. Three nations had brought their armies together. They were racing towards Judah. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meonites had formed a military alliance and were marching together as one to destroy Jehoshaphat and Jerusalem and the nation of Judah. The news that messengers 
these messengers carried into the court of the king was that this massive army was already at En Gedi, just 22 miles southeast of Jerusalem. And the alarm had been sounded way, way too late because this enemy had come up from behind. The Chronicle records a sense of fear as Jehoshaphat hears the report. The king, the head of the nation, was afraid. And who wouldn't be afraid? Who wouldn't be fearful? Who wouldn't feel the pressure and the urgency of the moment? This man had no time to develop a strategic response. There was no time to rally his troops to build a defense. Jehoshaphat was out of time to do anything humanly possible. Have you ever been out of time? Out of time. No time to think about what to do in the face of pressing circumstances that may be beyond your control. No time to call on others about what decisions to make and how to proceed. No time to prepare a way through regarding what's facing you. If you've ever felt the pressure of being out of time, you felt some of the pressure that Jehoshaphat felt on receiving this terrible news on this day. Of this band of nations that had come to destroy him. Imagine. One moment, everything is well. The next moment, the whole nation of Judah is fear-stricken and on high alert. Life had suddenly changed for this great nation, leaving everyone reaching for, for explanations. That's what happens, doesn't it, when life changes so suddenly? We wonder what's going to happen. We reach for explanations. All kinds of questions awaken in our hearts and in our minds. We want answers as to how to proceed. These people in their thousands were wondering if they were going to get through the end of the week. Surprisingly, when this crisis came, Judah, the beloved of God, was in a time of spiritual awakening. As a nation, they were experiencing great peace and the blessing of God upon them. But this day, when this news came, when the enemy was at their doorstep, all of that suddenly changed and brought everything down to a standstill. You know, it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it, if life arranged an appointment with us to discuss the changes that are ahead, to discuss with us, to consult over the changes that it's going to make. But it doesn't. 
It does not ask your permission or my permission or anybody else's permission or approval. Sometimes it just cuts its way into our peaceful setting. It cuts its way through our blessed experience. And we're faced with changes that are unprecedented. Life's changes often come unannounced, unforeseen, and they're very unpredictable. But, but, the one thing that King Jehoshaphat knew was that changing times do not change the Lord who never changes. And what we see here in this story is a godly king facing huge changes outside of his control, connecting with the Lord who never changes. God revealing his own character and disposition to the people of Israel said, I am the Lord, I change not. Circumstances can change. Crisis can come. Crisis can go. Season can come. Season can go in our lives. But we have a God in heaven that changes not, that we can come to amidst all of the changes that we face in life. And we know and are secure in the fact that he does not change. He's with us. He's for us. He's not against us. Hallelujah. Jehoshaphat knew that. And he would not have any other God before him. Simply playing that out, it means this. He would not have any other voice calling the shots. He would not entertain any other imagination other than the words of God regarding his life, his nation, and the way to go forward. He connected with the Lord amidst huge change. Verse 3 openly states that Jehoshaphat was afraid. Yet whilst feeling fearful, he did something that we should all do when faced with a crisis, when faced with life's battles and life's difficulties. He turned to the Lord. Who are you turning to when a crisis comes? Who are you turning to when circumstance tries to beset you? Who are you turning to? I'll tell you who you're turning to, people of God. You're turning to the Lord who will never fail you, who will never let you down, who will always give you the victory and bring you through. Hallelujah. That's who you're turning to. It really is. Feeling afraid. In verse 3, it says this, Jehoshaphat, listen to the words, turned his attention to seek the Lord. He turned away from in order to turn to the Lord. Turned away from all of his mixed emotions. Turned away from all of his stormy feelings. He turned away from them as he turned his attention to the Lord. Try to think about that for a moment. Keep it in mind. What Joshua, Jehoshaphat is doing here. This was a vital moment of decision. Facing fears that wanted to engulf him, facing circumstances that wanted to control him, and consume him, 
and direct him. Jehoshaphat turned his attention Godward. This was an incredible moment, an incredible response to unprecedented life events that the king was thrown into so suddenly and so unexpectedly. The facts were the facts. They were only getting worse as every moment passed. Attack was imminent. But instead of trying to manage the unmanageable humanly, Jehoshaphat made a shift in his thinking. Instead of making fear the overriding focus of his life, he falls to his knees in faith and turns his attention to seek the Lord. He goes in a different direction. That's what it means. That's what this phrase incorporates. He chooses as an act of his will to go in a different direction, to focus his attention on God. This godly king was doing what we are all exhorted to do in Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to the words of instruction in Hebrews 12 verse 1 and verse 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we turn, amen, church, hallelujah, praise God. When we turn our attention to the Lord, like Jehoshaphat, we are choosing to lay every weight of sin that so easily tries to entangle and, sna and ensnare us again. We are, we are laying it aside. In effect, we're looking away. We're looking away from how we would do things and looking towards Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. By fixing our eyes and our gaze on him, we're taking our eyes and our gaze off any, any other alternative, laying it aside and focusing on his will. What Dave said this morning, that word, it's not by chance. It fits exactly and specifically into the message of this meeting. Have no other God before me. Fix your eyes on me. Bang on. Word of God to us. It's so encouraging. He directs every step of our lives. This is what this king did when everybody else was panicking around him. This is what he did with his fears, his anxieties, his worries, his concerns. They were cornered. 
at the end of the peace and the blessing and the momentum that had gathered as a result of knowing God's favor. It all seemed as if it was coming down before them and collapsing around them. But he turned his attention to the Lord. I love this. He openly acknowledges he didn't know what to do. Oh, it's so freeing. It really is to just turn up in the presence of God. Just say, Lord, I don't know what to do anymore with this circumstance. In this crisis, you see the pressure. You feel the fears that are in my heart, and I don't know what to do with them, Lord. It's so liberating that our God welcomes such humility. Our Lord invites such open transparency. I believe it was Jeremiah that said, when I came into his presence, I poured out my soul like water. Release it. Let it go. Whatever is inside of you, holding you back, trying to suppress your life, go into the presence of God and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. It's a good prayer to pray. But, he said, our eyes are on you. That was his prayer. Oh, you see the stature of some people when the heat really gets turned up. When the pressure is really on, you see the material and the ingredients of their character. Sometimes it's such a wonderful blessing to see somebody go through the furnace of affliction because you really do see what they're made of. And I tell you, I've seen people in this church, the heat get turned up on their lives. I've seen them get hit from the left, the right, from the, from the front and the behind. And, and I've seen their lives immersed in trouble and darkness and distress. And you're wondering what is going to happen. And as the heat gets turned up, you see the glory of God come out of their mouth. You see a resolve to serve God and to, and to go for God and to pray him at all times as the heat gets increased in their lives the beauty and the strength and the spirit of Christ is more evident it's glorious to see it really is our eyes are on you as a nation they'd fixed their eyes on the Lord they weren't turning to their own solutions and trying to concoct all of these kind of crazy ideas as a, as a result of what they were facing. No. You know, there's a time in life where all the small talk has to stop. It's not good enough. You have to seek God. You become very quiet. You engage with the eternal. 
you open the door to another dimension that is not natural, that is not physical, but it's mighty through God to the demolishing of strongholds. This is what this, this king did. You see, whilst Joshua, Jehoshaphat, whilst Jehoshaphat couldn't control the extreme circumstances that were upon him, he controlled his thoughts and his choices by turning his attention to seek the Lord and have no other God before him. Listen to the prayer that he prayed, full of confidence. Now, keep in your mind what's happening, the imminent attack that's ahead as we read his prayer. He's confident in God's unchanging character to protect and answer the prayers of his people. 2 Chronicles 20, we'll start out at verse 5. Then Joshua, Jehoshaphat, stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And he said, Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land from your people, Israel, and give it to the descendants of your friend, Abraham, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear and save us. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Jehoshaphat and the people of God are in the house of God. It's a wonderful message, and it's, a, it's, an, it's, it's an important message for our time. When trouble comes, what happens? Trouble and crisis does not separate us or scatter us as the people of God. Trouble and crisis brings us together. Trouble and crisis brings us to the place collectively as God's church into his house to cry together, to hear the word of the Lord spoken to us to encourage our hearts and to take our problems and to see them from God's perspective and not just from ours. This is what these people did. They didn't just simply stay at home, away from God's house. They came together, as we have all done in this room this morning. They came together to hear the word of the Lord. And let me say this to you. The word of the Lord isn't just necessarily coming from me or from Faye or from anybody else that stands up here. 
You might come into this building this morning and before you leave today, a brother or a sister may come to you and give you an encouraging word from God and it unlocks a situation in your life because you've come here into this place. Jehoshaphat boldly proclaims God's character amidst changing times. He's all-powerful. He's the ruler of the heavens and the kingdoms of the earth. Nobody can match the greatness of his power. Nobody can match. No threat, no circumstance, no problem. Nothing can come up against our God. And through prayer, through this prayer, they take the battle that is bigger than them to the God who is bigger than all battles. The battle may be bigger than you today, child of God, but you have the advantage over the battle that you can take it to the God, your God, Jesus, who is bigger than every single battle that you will ever face. Hallelujah! Just like, just like, this great king did. The wonderful thing is we have a speaking God. And he firstly invites us to speak to him. And then he comes along and speaks to us. This is what we see happening. He calls a prophet to speak on his behalf. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. Listen. Listen! Everybody's afraid. Everybody's panicked. They don't know if they're going to get through the week. The, the threat is very real. War is imminent. And God starts the conversation by saying, Listen! Listen! You might have been listening to lots of things over here. You might have been at attending to and entertaining lots of imaginations in your mind. But listen, he says. Are you ready, church, to listen to the Lord? He's got a word for you even beyond the word that I'm speaking. Be ready, be open, be expectant in the days in which we live. It could be a Monday, it could be a Tuesday, shopping in Asda, Tesco's, or filling up your car in the petrol station, and suddenly the Lord will say, Listen! All you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He wants every single one of them to hear what he's about to say. And they can because they're there gathered collectively as God's people, the church. Listen. The inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not fear. Or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but 
gods. You need not fight in this battle. Take your position. Stand and watch the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. Go out to face them for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord. <laughs> Woohoo! And worshipped him. Well, you would worship him when he comes to you with a word like that. You really would. What an incredible end to a terrific moment. The battle was over before it ever began because of the word of the Lord. And because a king knew the power of prayer. The next day, it's wonderful what prayer enables you to do. It's amazing what the Word of God does in those private moments of prayer that enables you to walk out in power. Because the next day, Jehoshaphat now, not God, Jehoshaphat makes a decision of faith as a result of the Word of the Lord to send the singers out first. We're going to have some joy in this moment. This man is so secure in the word of the Lord spoken to him. He's so founded and strengthened and encouraged by the revelation that he's received over every fear, over every anxiety. He's so encouraged and strengthened by it that he says, do you know what? We're actually going to send the singers out first because this is not going to be a battle that we fight. We're not even going to draw a sword. We're going to praise him as we go forward because he knew that God would fight for them. 2 Chronicles 20. We're doing good for time. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20 says this. So they arose early in the morning. Now, the day before, they'd fallen to their faces. And when you fall to your face before the Lord, I tell you something now. He will cause you to rise. He will cause you to stand in the day of battle, confidently to face any, any enemy or any foe that has come to defeat you. The next day, they are on their feet, confident in God's character, confident they've handed over the battle that's bigger than them to the one that's bigger than every battle. They're ready to go out. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures 
forever. He's always going to be on side. He's always going to fight your corner. He's never going to allow you to go out on your own. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. And when you are at that critical moment in your life, when thoughts are besetting you, when the enemy has you cornered, Christ is not going to leave you weak to fight this battle on your own. He's not going to allow any circumstance to belittle you. His strength in your weakness is going to be perfected, and you're going to come out victorious in his name. Hallelujah. Just like these people did. So we can praise him. And this is, this is why in the New Testament, the writers would say, in everything, you mean Paul, in everything, really Paul, in, in, in everything, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Don't let any circumstance, don't let any, any enemy, foreign enemy in mind, or physically before you, hinder your thankfulness to God in everything. Give thanks to God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes. <laughs> Woo! Ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Those three nations that had allied themselves as one. Those three nations that had grown in power and strength to come against this small nation. This southern kingdom, Judah, suddenly found that the Lord was standing for them. You don't play with him. You really don't. And we know this as a church because we've got a wonderful, a wonderful group that pray for Israel every month and Paul leads that. And many have been faithful in this church. Paul had a wonderful night, encounter Israel on, on Friday night, incredible evening. We know that you don't poke God's people in their eye. You don't. Doesn't matter how big the nation is. There is holy people. They really are. And the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the me unites. They found that out the hard way. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen to the earth. No one had escaped, not one. When God fights a battle, he clears the field. Not one can escape. He's very thorough in what he does. The crisis that had caused 
great fear ended in great joy. Rejoicing as they saw the Lord fight the battle for them. In, in conclusion, let me say this today. Really, this comes down to where Dave started it all off. When we seek God first, we never end in second place. You realize that? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first. We may do something in the new year about that, about making it a first making it a first in your life. It says, seek first the kingdom and everything will be added to you. When you seek God first, you never end in second place, ever. Because these people, after they saw God fight for them and victoriously win their battle, were left gathering plunder from the enemy that came to destroy them for three days. Check it out. You can read it in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Three days collecting all of the riches and all of the spoils of war that God had won for them in victory. I don't know what battle you're facing today. how big it may be. But I want to encourage you and the emphasis of the word of the Spirit to all of us today is to take the battle that's bigger than us to the one that's bigger than every battle. To turn our attention to seek the Lord. Not to try and manage the unmanageable or work through things that just seem impossible. Turn away. Turn your attention towards seeking Him. And you'll find a word coming to you as you pray your prayer. Let your prayer not be pitiful. Let your prayer rouse within you, that revelation that's inside of the confidence of God's unchanging character amidst changing times and declare his word over your life and he will speak back. He's a speaking God. He really is. He will reply. And the words that you hear from him will enable you, like it enabled them, to get up off their knees and stand and rise and face your foe, face your enemy square on in the love of Christ. And you'll find that what was set against you will actually be set for you and bring you great blessing. I'm going to ask the musicians to come and the singers. We're going to close this morning. Do you know, I'll be honest with you. 
I don't know how God does this. I tell you. Because on Tuesday, I'm at home. I'm saying, hey, God, be nice to know what I'm speaking on Sunday. I labored all day Tuesday. I said to the Lord, I laid my head on the pillow. I ain't got it, God. I need. I need it. And I kind of thought about 2 Chronicles 20. I'd looked at it, given up on it. I promise you, there's nothing there. I can't get anything from it. Help! I don't know what to do. And it was a strange experience. Because have you ever been between being awake and being asleep? You're kind of in between consciousness and kind of laying your consciousness to rest in sleep. And in that middle moment, he didn't speak to me in a way that I'd heard before. But in that middle moment, the Spirit just said, go with it. Go with it. 2 Chronicles 20 is the one. Go with it. And I lay my head on that pillow, rested. I got up on Wednesday. I thought, well, Lord, we're going to go with it. And you work it, you labor it, you try to find it. And then just hour after hour after hour, moment after moment, this isn't a nine-to-five job here. Early hours of the morning, out and about in life, in the car, on the mountain, on my bike, riding in the night. He's talking. He's molding. He's shaping. He's getting the bread ready. Not for me, for you. Encourage you. Strengthen you for another week ahead. You are God's workmanship. And woe be to any hand that would try to touch the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word to us. Holy Spirit, I pray now as it's been planted, oh, that it would grow so strong. I pray now, Holy Spirit, as it's been planted, that it would, that it would produce such wonderful, wonderful harvest, 30, 60, even 100 times beyond the seed that has gone forth today into the hearts of your people. And I pray, Lord, as a final, as a final word to them, I pray now that they would go into their closet. I pray now that they would go into that private place of prayer with a new fresh confidence like Dave said we have chosen to have no other God 
before us other than the living God, the only God. And Jesus, we come with your words that you have spoken to us. We're ready to practice them. We're ready to work them out again with a new boldness, with a new expectation. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, church, and you will find what you're looking for. Knock, and the door to that supernatural dimension, that supernatural um, entrance and access into his presence will be given for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks surely finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. We thank you for your word, Lord, as your people. Now, why don't we stand? Come on. Let's do what these people did. They raised their voice in praise to God. His mercy is over us. It endures forever. Let's lift our voice in praise to sing to him as God's people as we go from this place today. God bless you.